Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast ranking Big 12 head coaches. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother in Marina Del Rey. Ah, it's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother in San Diego. That's me, Trey Newman. All right, this is our second episode of the week. Yesterday, we ranked the ACC coaches. Today, we're going to get to the Big 12. And yes, we are all wearing the same shirts. So (laughs) you can just uh, decide whether we recorded these all at once or maybe we're just a bunch of slobs. (laughs) It is quarantine, so... Anything goes. Anything (laughs) goes. Uh, But anyway, let's get into the rankings And I'll say that our lists for the Big 12 were pretty similar, so not a ton of disagreement here, but we'll do what we can. Uh, Let's start with with number 10, Trey. Yeah, number 10, we all had Matt Wells of Texas Tech. And one of the reasons he's so low on our list is because of, well, first, first of all, it's hard to win in Lubbock, and he just doesn't have the big cachet to recruit well there and they were four and eight last year not a great first season he was kind of a surprise hire to begin with uh just not a lot of hope in my eyes for the red raiders maybe i'm too pessimistic yeah i mean go ahead mike no i think there is some reason for pessimism i wasn't super high maybe i'm biased because i wasn't super high on the hire when it happened because at utah state i thought wells took over a, a great situation uh that gary anderson left him and really, for the first five years, they just got worse and worse and worse under under Wells. Finally, in the last year, they were incredible. They had an amazing year. But I always worry when you're judging a coach, a coach basically on one year. And yep. so that's that's why I had him down. Yeah, this half far. of his seasons at Utah State were losing seasons. I mean, if you if half of your seasons at Utah State are going to be losing seasons, then how do you think you're going to do at Texas Tech? It just doesn't. You know, he was, he got a one, one year wonder, got lucky, hit, struck gold. And, uh, you know, I wish I'm that lucky and I can strike gold like that someday. <laughs> well, yeah. And in his defense, though, he did have some, some quarterback injuries at Utah State and in year Chucky one Keaton. at Texas. Yeah. Exactly. And at year one with, uh, Alan Bowman going down. So, yeah, fair. Um, there's still hope. We're, I, I do think we were probably too pessimistic there, yeah. but at the same time, he does deserve, to be you know eight nine ten on on the list for sure all right let's move on to our number nine guy here we got dave aranda uh michael you had him dead last uh, and trey you had him ninth yeah i did yeah and i had him eighth um but michael i'm surprised you actually had him last i mean it's i get that he's never been a head coach before um but it's just just because he's never been a head coach before doesn't mean he's not gonna be a good coach there's potential i know I know. And maybe, I mean, yeah, I could easily be swayed to put uh, Matt Wells ahead of him. Um, I don't know. I, I just, their neck and neck. It's just yeah. an unknown. Now, to your credit, it's really hard to gauge the first year guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, did have, he does have Larry Fedora as his offensive coordinator. So good looking yeah, guy. There you go. Not bad. <laughs> I mean, his <laughs> resume alone as a D coordinator is, you know, yeah, he's, he's done none. great. He's got a great track record. No reason he can't be a good head coach. And the thing with with Baylor, as you know, Ryan, is 
this first year is kind of important because Rule built Baylor up and he kind of left the cupboard fairly stacked. So, I mean, like there's room or the reasons that yeah, Baylor should be good again this year. So, there's a little bit of yeah. pressure on him. The defense has loses yeah. some key pieces, Lynch and uh, Brady. Yeah, they're Roy not all and back, but Johnston. They they have some some shoot, big shoes to fill on that defense. But you know, as long as you got your your quarterback there and Denzel Mims, but you know, uh, Denzel Mims is going to hurt not having him. But yeah, I, I mean, they there's definitely rule definitely up the uh, ante on that program. So I and I he takes over a better situation than Matt Rule took over when oh, he went to yeah. Baylor, <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on to number eight. What a great looking guy. We got Les Miles from Kansas. <laughs> and uh, Ryan, in last last episode, you acknowledged that we can talk about things that happened a long time ago with Mac Brown. So I'm going to bring up the national championship from Les Miles in 2007. Why not? Yeah, sure. Okay. No. Yeah, that is a, it's a long time ago. So that's why he's so low on the list. And the end of his LSU tenure... He was, of course, falling short of what LSU could be. I mean, they weren't they weren't bad yeah. by any means, but just just at that point where it's kind of frustrating for the for the fans. Um, but I thought he would be a good hire for Kansas because of the cachet he brings from his time at LSU. Thought he would recruit well, but unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. He's essentially been recruiting just how David Beatty was, and on the field, first year going three and nine was you know about what you'd expect from from just about anybody there. So a lot lower on less miles than I was a year ago. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're dead last in recruiting. They're dead last on the field. It's nothing has changed in Lawrence. So my opinion of less miles has gone down. Yeah. I'm, I'm also obviously not high on him. I mean, that win against Boston college was, was great. They had some other competitive games where they were kind of surprised. And so that gives reason for hope, but then they had these, painful losses that they they should not have had even even at kansas so i could we could still all yeah, be didn't proven they lose wrong, to coastal but his his best days seem behind him didn't they lose to coastal carolina they did last this year to clears yeah there you go our new squad our new squad love them uh okay that's it for less miles that's right all right so number seven in the bros big 12 index is chris Kleiman of Kansas State. And I was really impressed by him in year one. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but his first year in Manhattan uh, made me think higher of him on on this list than I would have last year. His attitude just and style seemed to to match K-State uh, and mesh well with them. It went eight and five. We all know they upset Oklahoma. Uh, and now he's just at that point of how much can he improve them? And can he take them to the next step in the next couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was an encouraging year one coming into, to, um, Kansas state. Wasn't sure what to think of him because again, he was the guy that followed the guy at North Dakota state. Craig bowl is the one that built that program to the top, made them a juggernaut and climbing, kept it running and, and in a big way, I mean, kept winning national championships. So you give him some credit for that, but you weren't sure exactly how much, but year one certainly, certainly worked out at K state. But I will say they're expected to go six and six or seven and five this year, according to the season win totals. So if that happens, then I, I don't think we're I think we're kind of back to square one thinking like, eh, you know, he's fine, yeah. but we'll see, hey, you know, ninth recruiting class. I mean, you don't expect Kansas State to have a great recruiting class ever, but it's no maybe better than ninth. 
uh, just barely had a Kansas. And I don't know. He's just, they had a lot of experience on that team this past year. And so he kind of walked into a decent situation, actually. I just don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to, he'll be able to keep it up. I think he kind of, he's, he's going to, Kind of like the Matt Wells type thing that you were talking about, Mike. Every year is just going to get a little bit worse and worse until he just he's gone. Wow, you whoa, you are a lot lower on him than uh, I think both me and Trey. Yeah, I mean, good first year, sure, good first year. But like I said, there was experience on that team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not anointing him as Bill Snyder, but I was just at least encouraged. Yeah, for sure. I think he's going to beat Oklahoma every year. Well, obviously, clearly. All right, let's move on to uh, number six. Uh, Neil Brown in West Virginia. We were all pretty, pretty close, relatively close on him. Uh, Trey was technically the lowest at seventh and I had him at fifth. So somewhat of a difference there. Um, it's just a little bit of a wait and see type of mode, I guess on him. He had such a restart at West Virginia. So many people transferred, so many guys left, uh, before he was able to get there. And of course it was kind of a weird ending with Dana Holgerson moving on to Houston, which is, you know, the with a weird move. So it was just a, yeah. he was dealt a tough hand to, to start this for this past year. So I don't judge him on the field. Uh, the recruiting's okay. So it's, there's nothing really that says, okay, this guy's gonna be super successful, but there's also nothing that's really saying he's going to fail. So middle of the pack for me, it was kind of appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I love what he did at Troy, obviously taking them. They had never won double digit games and he did that three years in a row there. So my opinion of him is pretty dang high um, coming into the the West Virginia gig. And like you said, it's he did about as expected in, in year one. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm, a I'm, little just what were you going to say, Mike? I was going to say with Jarrett Dagey at quarterback next year, I think they're going to take take a step That's forward. That's the thing is I like him, them, the Mountaineers better with Dagey at quarterback than I did with Austin Kendall. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out this offseason. But um yeah, I mean, maybe the only discouraging thing was they didn't, they couldn't get to six wins in a bowl game, but they, the cupboard wasn't full from Holger, uh, Coach Holgerson. And I am a little no. bit more optimistic on them this year with Diggy. Okay. Let's get to number five on the list. Maybe a surprise for some folks. It is Gary Patterson at TCU. And Trey, I'll let you lead off here. You were the highest on Gary Patterson. You had him third. Why do you think fifth is a bit too low? Well, he was one of the hardest to me because I'll admit I I might have weighed his overall resume a little bit. I might have baked that in here. Um, I mean, what was it? A few episodes back, I mentioned that it wouldn't be shocking to me if he ended up just abruptly like resigning after this season. So I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I just think as a coach, he's he's so good, and what he's done in Fort Worth, Worth is remarkable. He's proven that he can rebuild TCU and turn them back around. So I'm I'm keeping the faith in him i'm going to give him kind of one last shot because what he's done there is is pretty amazing yeah i just feel like he's kind of lost the mojo a little bit i mean 20 years i guess he's been there now it's just a long time to keep it going and the last four years he's lost at least six games three out of those four years so that's just kind of you know it's starting to see a little bit more of a trend uh, rather than a, uh, an unusual thing. like they, Usually they always have a good record, but now it's eh, starting to turn the other way. So the recruiting is sure. obviously not that great. It's okay, but it's TCU's never had amazing recruits, so I mean, yeah. Patterson's still been able to make them competitive. But it just seems like the mojo's kind of lost down there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the one good year, you say three of the past four years have been kind of mediocre or bad. The one good year was really good. They finished in the top 10, so 
that's why I guess he hasn't fallen super far on the list. Yeah. But but yeah, it's just it's kind of reminding me of of like Mark D'Antonio, you know, like if if this is a career achievement list, then the t- Gary Patterson is probably number one. Um, but what have you done for me lately? It really informs what I think you're going to do going forward. So so yeah, that's why I was a, a bit lower on him. Um, yeah, any other any other comments on on Gary Patterson? No, but little different uh, personality when we get to number four here. We got Tom Herman, Texas. And when you look at Herman and you, if you're trying to judge him, it's kind of like watching tennis to me. It, he'll have some tough loss or their team looks really bad, but then he'll have like a huge win or, you know, like they did against Oklahoma a couple years ago, or they have the big bowl wins against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago, then Utah this past year in the Alamo. Uh, so it's it's kind of back and forth. Uh, he's done great recruiting, so that's kind of why we have him in the upper half here of the Big 12. There's no reason that he can't have Texas be legit in the hunt um, here very soon. So there's no reason they shouldn't be a contender here. Yeah, I mean, I I also think obviously the recruiting you brought up, he's he's a great recruiter. So that's that's half the battle in college football, or if not more. And I also think he's done an underrated job so far on the field at Texas. So I'll I'll kind of run through why I think that. So before he got there, of course, it was not in good shape. They'd they'd missed a bowl game three straight years. So he wasn't walking into uh the Texas of old. And year one, he made them immediately significantly better, got to a bowl game, solid year one. Year two, they won the Sugar Bowl. They finished the season 10 and 4. So after two years, you're thinking things are looking good. You definitely would have Tom Tom Herman in your top you know, three or four of the, uh, of the big 12. And then last year, eight and five was definitely disappointing. But when you consider the amount of injuries they suffered, especially in the secondary, they really probably should have won, let's say nine games. And that that's fine. And as it was, even with the injuries, they finished 15th in Sagarin. So I don't think it's, it's that bad as a down year. And now they have a ton of returning talent, especially on defense. So I think the program's in good shape. I think they're set up okay. I I I kind of agree with you on the fact that it's there hasn't been really anything super disappointing so far with this tenure. It's kind of just been status quo almost. I mean, you expect Texas to get to bowl games, you expect them to do all right. But this coming year is kind of I mean, it's not kind of. It's a big year. Fourth year, yeah. you got a senior quarterback in Sam Ellinger, you got a ton of talent coming back, not a lot of people left. So this is kind of the make or break. You're four. You should have kind of your program, your culture in place, depth all over the place with the recruiting you've had for the past four years. He needs to have a, I mean, if he goes eight and four again, eight and five, it's then we're talking like he might get fired after next year or something. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a teeter, teeter type of year for him. He could go either way. I mean, he, he could kind of prove that he's legit or he could also just be like, eh, it ain't going to work out. Yeah, I think a lot of people watching this are probably going to think we're we're overrating him, but I don't know. I guess I guess I am just optimistic. Yeah, well, like you said, he didn't take over ten and two type teams. Yeah, over, Charlie mm-hmm. Strong didn't leave him. Yeah, so a lot. I, mean, I mean, three years isn't all that long of a time, and he's done some good things. So, and he was he did a good job at Houston. So yeah, that that yeah. factors in a little bit at least. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's move on to number three on our list. Uh, we got uh, Mike Gundy. Pretty big difference here, actually. Uh, this is the biggest, I think, disagreement we had in the Big 12. 
uh, between uh, just a couple guys. We had Michael. You had him at second. Well, that was a big, big, uh, big one there. And then Trey had him all the way down at fifth. So I am at third, kind of where we, I guess, overall ranked. But I, I guess I guess I'm leaning more towards Michael since I'm a little bit closer to him. But I don't know, Trey. What uh, what are you not seeing from Gundy? I mean, in the middle of the pack of the Big Twelve. That's a little. That's that's tough. Overall, his tenure, he's done wonders at Oklahoma State. Stillwater, not an easy place to win. I give you that. But and they've they always have a fun offense, consistently good there. But they just to me can't ever get over the hump and it's like at at what point is it gonna change like they were and the other thing is that the last two years they're 15 and 11 they've had some injuries but still that's just a little bit better than 500 so that's where it was hard for me to have him in my top three winning the big 12 yeah, isn't I getting mean, over I, the hump yeah exactly i just i think oklahoma state i think they're getting over the hump as a different definition i think he's gotten over the hump given given what you should expect someone to be capable of at at Oklahoma State. I mean, well, several years ago, he was, uh, I mean, he was a whisker away from from getting to the national championship. So, yeah, the brand new yeah, ever... didn't No, I, I get it. But that was five years ago. I know. Yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. But still, just I, I think he's made 14 straight bowl games, which is at Oklahoma State where it's really hard to get four and five stars. I think that's incredible. And this is, to me, not a situation like Gary Patterson where he's had a lot of really concerning seasons recently like last year eight and five that's that's fine as as at oklahoma state and they returned just about everybody so it seems like could be another eight nine possibly ten win season if uh if things break their way so i think the program's still in good shape i don't i don't see him slowing down right now yeah i'm i i agree on that i mean the first year he was there he they missed a bowl game but ever since then bowl game every year if you're making a bowl, they're game, always pretty good. If you're making a bowl, game really good at Oklahoma State, then you're you're doing fine. So, so I, and I I can't discount anything you guys are saying, and and I'm with you guys 100 percent on this upcoming year. Lots of hope, lots of optimism, and but it's like one of those things. Like okay, with all the returning production that they have this year, if they go, it's we're playing the if game, but like if they go eight and four, it's like well, what did they really do with that? We'll see how it shakes out. But obviously, I mean, they could go ten and yeah. two and. And it's a moot point. So. Yeah. And I guess the maybe, Trey, if I can plant a, an argument in in your mouth this episode, recruiting, maybe, I mean, who knows what, what can be done at Oklahoma State, but I guess you wish that it was better. Maybe wishing doesn't mean anything, no. but yeah. they, they've always been successful. So why haven't they been able to, you know, get a few more four and five stars in there? Yeah, they've got the financial maybe backing easy. and they've... They've built up yeah. that the whole campus is just T Boone Pickens fingerprints all over it. The athletic kind of wing is just probably second to none. So we'll see. I mean, I, I love him. I don't I didn't mean to like totally discredit what he's done. It's just I just look a little bit more recent and I want him to to kind of knock off Oklahoma or Texas. It's hard. I mean it's Oklahoma State, but that's kind of what was setting setting him apart for me. Okay, moving on to number two on our list. It is Matt Campbell from Iowa State, and he's done an unbelievable job there. The program was in shambles when he took over. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm just going to read off some S and P or SP plus numbers. So three years, the three years before he got there, they were 78th, 97th, and 77th. And then the last three years now under Matt Campbell, they've been 44th, 38th, and 23rd. So. It was a 
fairly immediate uh, comeback or fairly immediate rise by Matt Campbell. And I don't know, there's just nothing I can say. He's winning eight games at Iowa State. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and he's had a couple of heartbreaking losses too. So I mean, he almost could have broken through even a little bit more than he has if he you know, converted two-point conversion against Oklahoma or something like yeah. that. So it's... He's on the brink of some like greatness at Ohio, Iowa State, and that's, I mean, he took over a bad, bad situation. Immediately made it one year rebuild. I'll say one year, and then after that, it's been great. So, and he was the Big Twelve Coach of the Year twice, twenty seventeen and eighteen. That's pretty amazing at Iowa State. And he, they just have tough dudes. Like his personality really shows in that team. Like a couple of years ago, they had the the two way player. Was it Lanning? The Joe Lanning, the right? Like Joel, yeah. he was awesome. Like they just, they just have blue collar tough guys like it's it's tough not to root for iowa state and he seems like one of those coaches that just is always going to have good quarterback play like what was it a couple years ago they were they down to like what kyle kemp oh yeah uh, Yeah. walk on yeah just like no matter who came who who played they were good yeah so it seems like that's uh that's what he does he he just produces good quarterbacks so but maybe are we done with him Oh, yeah, sure, but sure. Maybe not quite as good a, a, a quarterback whisperer as number one here. Different, maybe a different type of athlete he's getting. But Lincoln Riley, you know, I he was handed the keys to a very well-oiled machine from from Stoops, but he's just taken it and kind of run with it, and he's done great. I mean, what what more can you say? Producing Heisman winners, Heisman runner-ups, finalists, All Americans at receiver. Like the offenses are insane. We all know that the defense needs to improve, but hey, he's still getting Oklahoma to the playoff each year. Like they're going to be relevant with their recruiting in the foreseeable future. So he's done a he's done a great. So you've job. turned to turn come around a little bit here on Lincoln Riley. <laughs> I have no. I'll admit, like he was given the keys to a, like I said, a well oiled machine. But he he's, I mean, what more can he do? I guess to to prove it to me at this point, especially compared to the other Big Twelve coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, no doubt number one. And I think the hire of Alex, Alex Grinch was encouraging. It shows, I mean, maybe he waited a year too long to, to fire Mike Stoops, yeah. but, um, that's a tough choice to make when, of course, Bob Stoops was the one that got him this exactly. job. So it's understandable. But, but the fact that he has hired Alex, Alex Grinch, he hired a big name from a big school. He's clearly committed to, to making that defense better. And I think it, I think it will get better. As long as they don't play LSU. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's tough. It's about that's the tough. worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. I mean, I've seen worse, but <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't great. It was pretty bad. Uh, okay, there you have it. Uh, let's let's pull up here the final list for for the viewers on YouTube. Um, any any general thoughts about this this group of of coaches in the Big Twelve? I think I'm it's kind of stairs. right now a, a clear top half and bottom half and yeah. Yeah, I mean I I think looking at the the group the bottom 5 or the bottom half I think is pretty strong as far as bottom halves of conference goes. I think they could probably compete with most most any conference. Um I, I think the I, one I with think the most um upside out, out of those 5 would be Aranda just cuz he's the wild card. We don't really know how good of a head yeah. coach he can be. Yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, the other four guys are all had one year, you know, so it's hard to 
Hard to I judge. know, but I was just term, in terms of ceiling, I'm just kind of yeah. looking like maybe Neil Brown, I'm, but I feel like Aranda has the highest ceiling out of those, the bottom five. Yeah, I might actually go Neil Brown. I, okay. I really yeah, like him. Yeah, you've been a Brown guy. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to do really good things at West Virginia. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess just just overall, though, I, I think the Big 12 has a, a good group of coaches. Yeah, no, it does. I, I mean, it it when, certainly does. When Chris Kleiman, who has an encouraging year one, is seventh, I think that's that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I okay. like the I like their the conferences coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean the the top half when we're maybe at the end of the week talking about who has the best top half of conferences. I don't think anyone's going to be able to compare with the SEC. But this Big Twelve list here, they're potentially not light years behind, especially if Tom Herman. Yeah, Tom yeah. Herman needs to step up to make it legit because uh, Lincoln Riley, right. and Matt Campbell have been great, uh, but where's that third guy? Sure. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks for watching and listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Uh, again, let us know in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter at CFB Bros your, your biggest disagreements with our list. And make sure you are subscribed because tomorrow we are going to be ranking the Big Ten. Scott Frost, number one. Oh, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. No spoilers. All right. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.